Good morning everyone, uh, happy Valentine's Day or whatever. Uh, I wish I could say there was a chocolate under your chair this morning, but sadly there isn't. But we still get to come together like this as a church and celebrate Jesus this morning. And we're carrying on in our Teach Us to Pray series. I think we've got one more week left. Um, but I hope that you have been growing in prayer over this time. And not just learning about prayer and how to pray, but putting it into practice and growing as a prayer and enjoying Jesus in your own times of prayer. And this morning, I want to talk about a key aspect of prayer uh, or something that really affects how we pray. So the title for my sermon today is Praying When the Whole World is Shaking or Trusting in Our Good, Good Father or Trusting God in Prayer. Three titles, kind of like some movies out there, Birdman and some others. We've got a few titles today. Now, I ended off 2019, which I remember the Sunday quite clearly. It feels like it was just the other day. But I ended off the decade preaching a sermon called How to Have a Good Decade. And the big idea of this message was from Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And kind of the two big ideas there are trust in God, not in other things. And lean on God. Lean back on Him. Don't lean on or depend on or put your weight on other things. And in hindsight, as we entered into 2020, it feels like a really prophetic and relevant message for all of us. But speaking about trusting and leaning on God is a lot easier than doing it, you know. Talking about it in theory, theologizing about it is very different than when we're actually forced to rely on God and when it counts, when it really, really matters. And this is probably something that you and I, for each of us who follow Jesus, will be doing for the rest of our lives as we learn to walk with God. Yet... Trusting God, whether we're beginners or experts at this, whether we do this properly or, or we're still learning to do this, this is key to prayer. It's key to living by faith. It's key to the Christian life. Anyway, why would we pray if we didn't trust in God? You know, we don't go to the people in our lives that we don't trust and share our most intimate, vulnerable things. We don't go to those people and share our needs and ask them for help because they're unreliable, because they're not faithful, they're not trustworthy. We don't think they would help us. So if we're going to go to our Father in heaven, as Jesus calls us to, and pray to him, if we're going to intercede, as Christa spoke about last week, and cry out for people and places and situations around the world, if we're going to pray for ourselves, if we're going to lament and pour out our hearts before God, it must begin with trust, trusting in Him. And a friend sent me this verse a few months ago, Psalm 75 verse 3. When the earth and all its inhabitants shake, I, God, I am the one who steadies its pillars. And we've been living through this reality of a global pandemic. Like in that verse, when the earth and all its inhabitants shake. What's been going on over the last year has been a time where everyone and everywhere is affected by what has been going on around the world. But on top of that, it's, it's not just global, it's personal. Yes, it's everyone and everywhere, but 
Everyone means each individual person and family and home and situations. Everyone is going through this and has been shaken in some way. Some of you maybe have been shaken past tense. Maybe you still feel the shaking of this time. But whether that shaking looks like your job and income being affected or your marriage, family, singleness being affected or your physical or mental health being affected or just the reality that we can't plan and there's such uncertainty about the future, all of these things have been shaken by this last year and we've been forced into a time of trusting God each day because we can't resolve what's going on around us. And the promise here is that God is in control over everything. Even when the shaking comes, He is the one who can steady the pillars. He is the one that can steady what's going on globally and personally. And this period of shaking and destruction and disruption is very much like an earthquake. And I know us in Durban, on kind of like the east coast of Africa, we don't really know much about earthquakes. But over the last couple of years, Shell and I have had the privilege of going to Northridge. It's a, a part of Los Angeles in California. And we've been there with Brad and Sarah Sarian and the Restored LA crew. And driving around their city, we've seen the effects of the 1994 Northridge earthquake and the damage that it did to their city. And it was crazy. You can go and Google this just now. But in a, about a 10 to 20 second period, this earthquake struck. And the, the strong ground motion was felt as far away as Los Angeles, uh, sorry, Las Vegas. It's about 350 kilometers away from the epicenter or like two thirds of the way from Durban to Johannesburg felt the effects on the ground. Uh, the death toll of this earthquake was 57 people and about another 9,000 were injured in some way. In addition to this, the property damage was astronomical. Uh, the estimates on, in today's terms would be somewhere between 22 and 86 billion dollars of property damage. So let's just find that in the middle and call it 50 billion dollars of damage done to the city and the surrounds by this quake. Um, thousands of buildings were either destroyed when the earthquake hit or were condemned and later had to be torn down because they were declared unsafe. Damage occurred up to 137 kilometers away. That's like Durban to Moy River. Buildings were being destroyed. And when you think about that, I, I mean, obviously imagine the scope of the quake, but also imagine the process of rebuilding after something of that magnitude hit. But probably the reason Brad told me about this is not just for their context and understanding their city and its story, but it's because this is also personal to him and his family. When he was growing up in Northridge, they lived about one mile, one and a half kilometers away from the epicenter of this quake. And his home was completely destroyed by the 1994 Northridge earthquake, which meant that afterwards they had to completely rebuild their home. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Mr. Sarian, Brad's dad, had taken out earthquake insurance two months before the earthquake hit for, for some reason. And because of that, their whole home was covered by insurance. Imagine though, if Mr. Sarian, for whatever reason, had put this off or hadn't taken out that insurance. And I think there's a similarity for all of us who've been shaken over the last year by the realities of COVID and just all that's been going on in 2020 and the beginning of 2021. 
And I think what's happened is as we've dealt with the shakings of what's been going on, it's revealed so much of what's been going on in our lives under the surface, in our families, in our homes, in our work environments. And it's also revealed what needs to be built or rebuilt. So I want to ask you two questions before we carry on. Please answer these for yourself, whether that's in your head or with the people you're watching this with. But what had you put in place before COVID struck March last year that has helped you over the last year that could be healthy habits of prayer or just healthy investment into your marriage or your singleness or your home life that could be the friendships you've got or something else what had you put in place already like that insurance that mr sarian bought that has helped you over the last year and secondly what in light of the last year do you see that you need to put in place in your life going forward that could be something that you need to build or something that you need to rebuild in your life. But what are some of those things for you? Matthew chapter 6 is a key chapter in the scriptures for all disciples. Some of you would know Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's one of Jesus' sermons. Uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, where he releases his kingdom manifesto into the world. And we actually preached on this a couple of years ago. I'd love to do it again. But here in Matthew chapter 6, we find a number of habits that Jesus calls us as kingdom citizens, his disciples, to put in place in our lives in terms of what it looks like to follow him faithfully. And this chapter focuses in on three key ones. Uh, the first has to do with money. You know, how we see and handle and use money, living generous lives, whether we see money as our God that we serve and worship or something gross, you know, something that's a bad thing. Or as a gift that, that we are blessed to be a blessing and can use money to invest into and build and serve others. He also talks about fasting and how sometimes we abstain from food and other things for a period of time to develop a deeper hunger for God and to seek God for ourselves. And thirdly, he talks about prayer. And I know a couple of times we've spoken about the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. But a little bit further down from Jesus' instruction there, he says this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. And what Jesus does here in Matthew 6 is he lifts our attention from what is going on all around us, the shaking, the realities of this life, and he calls us to focus on heaven and focus on eternity. And one of the things I found interesting over this last year as a pastor is how few people have asked me if I think this is the end of the world, if I think Jesus is returning, uh, what I think about heaven and hell and eternal life. I've had a few people ask me about some of the conspiracy theories and the vaccine and the mark of the beast and all of that, which is generally unhelpful. <laughs> a lot of that is unhelpful. And if you've got questions, let me know. I'd love to help you deal with some of those things. But I come from a very fear-based Pentecostal background where we spoke a lot about the rapture and the return of Christ and heaven and hell and eternity. And because of that, I, I mean, I laugh about this now, but on Sunday mornings, a family would come and would fetch me for church when I was a teenager. And if they were running late, 10, 15 minutes late to fetch me, I would be convinced that Jesus had returned, the rapture had happened, and I had been left behind. And it was awful. <laughs> it was an awful way to live. So I'm not saying that's a good thing at all. But my hope is that during the midst of the last year, we've had time to reflect and contemplate and think a little bit about the fact that this world and this life is not all that there is. 
uh, in the midst of all that's been going on, that actually we've been thinking again about eternity and the reality of eternal life with God forever in heaven and the reality of eternal death separated from God in hell and how those things are real. And to take some stock and think, am I with my life building just for the here and now? Or am I using my time, my talents, my energy, my life, my, my everything to invest into eternity and to impact the life that is to come? Where have you placed your trust? Is it just in this life? Are you trusting in God and are you trusting in eternity with Him? The second thing I want to highlight comes a little bit later and is where Jesus speaks about worship. Matthew 6 verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And as much as, like we've spoken about, there are things that we need to rebuild as we come out of this season, out of this last time, and I know there's still some time to come, we have also been given time over the last while to reflect and to think about what we've been living for and prioritizing with our lives and whether that has been a good or a bad thing, whether that's been right or wrong. You know, these are all trust issues. These are all worship issues when we think about what we're living for and giving our lives for. And we've been given an opportunity over the last year to reassess some of those things and to reassess what matters most to us at this time. And if our lives and priorities and our decisions have been aligned, and this is so important, if they've been aligned with what God's word says is the most important thing. Tim Keller said this, if you want to change your life, change what you worship. And he says that because he knows that what we worship will dictate how we spend our time and our money and our energy and everything. It will dictate who we become. You know, whether we're living for work or leisure or family or friends or whatever it is, what we worship, what we put in first place in our lives will define who you and I become. So Jesus points us to God. He carries on and says this in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus' words to us here in Matthew 6, very simply, are don't worry. Now, hear me out before you switch off because how frustrating is it when you are stressed out or feeling anxious or worried about something and someone comes up to you and just says don't worry grant just chill out like relax bro or my worst word of all time chillax it's ah just chillax grant it's going to be fine it's the worst thing you could say to me 
everything is going to be fine. Generally, that is not a helpful thing to say. You know, that doesn't help that doesn't help someone to not stress. That's like a red rag to a bull for most people. You know, obviously, you know, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think to not worry? But Jesus doesn't just say, don't worry. He says, don't worry. And he gives us a reason not to worry. And this is amazing. I mean, this is such practical advice here. And I love this about Jesus and the scriptures. They're so relevant. They're so helpful. They're so applicable and practical for our lives. But what happens here in Matthew 6 is Jesus takes us outside in the midst of our worry and anxiety and fear and the shaking that is going on around. He takes us outside and he shows us nature. He shows us the plants and flowers and trees around us. He shows us the birds in the sky and the animals and the fish and all sorts of things. He shows us creation and he reminds us that he as creator sustains everything that exists. You know, the birds and the animals, they don't have jobs, they don't earn a salary, they don't have grocery stores, but God feeds them. You know, the plants, they don't have, uh, I don't know, H&M, Zara, Woolworths, wherever you buy your clothes from, but still they're clothed so beautifully. And God promises us that He will likewise take care of us. This is called cataphatic prayer. This is what Eugene Peterson calls praying with your eyes open, which probably so many of us don't do. This is a type of prayer where we open our eyes to be aware of creation around us and to connect that to our Creator who sustains and cares for all things everywhere. I personally love praying in the Botanic Gardens. Um, I've been doing this since I was at university. I used to have one period where I had four lectures free in a row. I'd go there, buy some tea, read my Bible, walk around and just pray. Being in the heart of the city but in the gardens which is such a beautiful thing for me. But you can also do this by walking around your neighborhood, prayer walking wherever you live and just going to see the sights and sounds, the people and places of where you live and letting the Spirit lead you to cry out to God for that place, that His kingdom would come and His will would be done. That is cataphatic prayer. Another type of prayer that we're probably more familiar with is called apophatic. This is what Peterson calls praying with your eyes closed. Now, I do this most of the time, at least in the mornings, where I go into my study and close the door, have a cup of tea, switch off my phone, close my eyes to get rid of distractions and spend time alone with God, just focused on Him. Both types are really good types of prayer. But here in Matthew 6, in the place of worry and anxiety and fear and shaking, Jesus takes us outside and opens our eyes. He calls us to practice cataphatic prayer to see creation, to be reminded of God's faithfulness, to see how God works and provides for others, and to be reminded that He loves us even more than these things, and that we can trust Him with our lives and with our present and with our future. The reason that Jesus gives here for us to not worry is very simple, but it's very key. Verse 32, why don't we worry? Because of our Heavenly Father. Look at how our Heavenly Father provides for the birds and the animals. Look at how our Heavenly Father provides for the plants and the trees and the flowers. And He knows your needs and He will provide for you. And for you and for I, this is not a time to worry, <laughs> to chillax, bro. But it is a time to refocus on our Father in Heaven and be reminded of His love and commitment to you. If you're feeling worried at this moment, I want to encourage you to lift your heads from the shaking going on around and to focus on our Father in heaven. Remind yourself of His words. Go through the scriptures and see what He has said. Things like, you are my son or my daughter, who I love, with whom I'm well pleased. You are precious to Him. 
Be reminded of His power. That God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. God is all-powerful. He knows everything. He's everywhere. God knows your situation and He cares. Remind yourself of His character. That God is loving and kind and generous and faithful and dependable. That He knows what is going on and that He is a good, good Father. Jesus is saying here in Matthew 6, and it's so challenging, that worrying is not trusting in God. Worrying is not trusting in God. Worrying is trusting in ourselves or trusting in something else other than Him, but it's not trusting in Him. And it's not living in light of who our Father in Heaven is and what He has said to us. Worrying is not trusting in God. And when we don't pray in response to the worries of this life that come at us, then we are living at best in self-reliance and at worst as Christian atheists. What I mean by that is we might say we believe in Jesus, but if the troubles of life come at us and we don't pray and we just depend on ourselves and we are trusting in us rather than trusting in Him, we're not believing His words. We're actually disobeying His words. And we're living as Christian atheists saying, you know what, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But actually, when rubber meets the road, you know, I don't go to Him in prayer. I go to myself or other things to help me in my time of need. Jesus even says here, don't be like the Gentiles or the pagans, you know, those who don't know God, because they have no relationship with Him. You know, we shouldn't act that way. They, they live with no reason to not be worried, because they don't know their Father in Heaven who loves them, and who rules and reigns over all things, who is in control over all things, and who stabilizes the pillars as they shake. They don't have a reason not to be worried, but you and I do. Because in verse 28, as Jesus says, do, why do you worry? The answer of why we worry is because we are focused on the problem and not our Father in Heaven. We're focused on what's happening around us rather than focused on the one who rules and reigns over all things. What Jesus is saying here in Matthew 6 is the same thing that's going on in Psalm 75. When the earth and all its inhabitants shake, I am the one who steadies its pillars. When we focus on the shaking and the things that are causing the shaking, we are shaken. But when we focus on the one who can steady the pillars of the earth, we are steadied. So Jesus says to us, do not worry. And instead pray. And remember that you are coming to a good, good Father that you and I can trust. Now that's all very good in theory. I actually shared a version of this message with our deacon team probably five or six months ago, just to prepare us, to, to help us to think through this time, to lead during lockdown and COVID. And I think it went fairly well. I think it was a practical and helpful evening. And afterwards, Shell and I hopped off of the Deacon Zoom call and we debriefed a little bit. I said, hey, Shell, how did it go? Um, how was the meeting? Uh, any thoughts, comments, feedback from you? And Shell looked at me with this weird smile on her face and said, no, it went great, Gran, it was good. And I knew something was up, but I didn't know what. This is something that throws me off when I preach live in person, is sometimes people are smiling or laughing. And I think, is my fly down? Have I got something coming out of my nose? You know, what is going on? So I said to her, Shell, what, what's going on? How did everything go? And she says, well, I got an email just before we hopped on the call saying that I've actually been retrenched from my job. Shell had been on maternity leave for a couple of months and was gearing up to go back to work. And she got this email about a month before saying, 
okay, you don't really have a job going forward. And it was such a moment of irony. You know, I've just shared out of Matthew 6 about our good father that we can trust and that we should go to in our time of need and that we can rely on him. And he takes care of the plants and the animals and all of that. And now we've gotten this email and the rubber meets the road. This is not just theory anymore. This is the reality of our lives that we have to trust in our father in heaven. And honestly, at first, we laughed just because of the irony of the situation. I think the tears and the stress would come later, but in the moment we just laughed because it was so ironic. We've just talked about this and now we've got to practice this. And we came to God with our needs and our wants, you know, for work, for money, for provision to help us. You know, we bought a home in February. We just had a baby. Our expenses had gone up. Life had changed. We needed God's help. And can I just tell you that our Heavenly Father, through a number of different ways, through a bit of work for shells and other means, has taken care of us incredibly over the last six months. He is a good, good Father that we can rely on and trust. He is the one who steadies the pillars of the earth when they shake, and He can steady the pillars of our lives too. And I want to say to you, if you're watching this today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you've come in, you're looking for somewhere to turn at this time, I want to say today God can become your father. Today you can trust in him with your life. Really what that means is coming to Jesus and acknowledging your sin. Uh, asking him to forgive you and receiving the the power of what he did on the cross as he gave his life for you and acknowledging your new identity as a son or daughter of God that he is your father in heaven and then maybe reading through Matthew 6 and praying some of these prayers for yourself coming to him and trusting in him rather than yourself or other things and then for those of you watching this today who are Christians, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a short time or a long time, I want to ask you today, are you trusting in Him or in other things? Are you relying on yourself? Are you living as a Christian atheist? Or during this time, are you trusting in Him? Are you relying on Him? Are, are you depending on Him? And are you believing that He can steady the shaking in your life, in your family, and in your situation? Let me spend a moment praying for you and then I'd encourage you to spend a moment responding to some of the things I've said today in prayer in your own space. So Father, I realize there's a diverse group watching this today, all in different places, uh, all being shaken in different ways. And I just ask you, Lord, that you would reveal that you are a good father. I pray, Lord God, where we are worried that you would help us not to worry, but to trust in you. I pray, Lord, as people have deep needs, Lord God, I pray that you would meet their needs or, Lord God, you would be their strength as they go through the trials and challenges of this time. Lord God, help us to be a praying church and I pray for testimonies of your strength and your provision and your faithfulness through this time. And I pray, Lord God, that we would grow in trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.